Thank you, Lance. I'm going to ask you to do something before I introduce the speaker today. You know, I, uh, I'm one who likes, uh, I'm a very um, concrete person in my thinking, and I like to be able to just, if something's on my mind, I like to be able to look at it and touch it. I'm going to ask you to do something today. Would you reach into your worship folder and take out your faith promise card? I'm going to ask you to do something rather peculiar with it. Now, I know many of us have already turned in our faith promise cards. Many of us did it in the early service because we were in the early service, so we were here before church. But I'd like to ask you, if you haven't yet participated in the faith promise offering, if you would take it out and touch it. Now, please, don't write anything down on it. Um, this one already has something written on it. People are always saying, Pastor, would you turn this card in for me? And I'm always delighted to do that. And and missionaries sometimes from our church will send us their cards and say, would you turn them in? But for most of you, you have nothing written on a card. I'd like to ask you just to hold this card during the time that Dr. Gibbs is speaking to us today. You may say, Mark, I have no intention at all in participating in this offering. And that's between you and the Lord. As I said, you don't, you know, if you participate today, you don't even have to put your name on this. No one will ever come and ask you for it. If you do put your name on it, obviously we'll be able to pray for you that God will take care of it, but nobody will ever come and ask you for it. This is between you and the Lord. But I'd like for you just to hold it while Dr. Gibbs is talking to you, or at least have it where you can see it. Put it beside you in your Bible where you can think about it while Dr. Gibbs is talking to you today. I've already heard the sermon in the early service, and God touched my heart as I know he did the, the hundreds of people who were here in the early service. God touched us with this message, and he's about to touch your heart. For those of you who may never have heard David Gibbs, he is the president and the founder of the Christian Law Association. He is a celebrated attorney working for churches and ministries and Christian colleges and Christian organizations all over the country. He's tried a number of cases before our Supreme Court, but he's done this all as a legal missionary. And he shared with us this week how God had touched his heart to walk away from the mega wealth that an attorney of his stature might command. And uh, we have many fine attorneys in our church, and I know that those of you who are attorneys, you know the, the, the work and the energy and the, just the brain power it takes to be a good attorney. I always think when I listen to David speak, I'd hate to be the attorney on the other side. But what you might not know about Dr. Gibbs, even if you're familiar with CLA, their broadcasts, Dr. Gibbs is heard on 1,300 radio stations every day. His articles appear in Christian periodicals. What you might not know about Dr. Gibbs is that he has a deep passion for world evangelism. In fact, he and I met in Mexico City. We were both preaching at a conference there, and the purpose was reaching specifically Mexico and the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I learned very quickly, knowing this man, that his heart beats with the passion of reaching those who don't know Jesus Christ. You're about to be blessed greatly, and we're delighted that he would give three days of his extraordinarily busy schedule, a rare gift. Most churches will never be able to receive such a gift of his time. Would you join me, please, in welcoming our dearly beloved friend, Dr. David Gibbs. Thank you, preacher. Oh, thank you, church. I deeply appreciate that kindness and that applause. All I can promise you is that when I walk in courtrooms, they don't applaud like that. This is something special that I truly enjoy, and I thank you for it. 
What an honor to be here today. This is a special moment Sunday. Now, I believe that every church service is special in the sight of God because God's always looking to do something in our hearts and in our lives. And you know what he says, if you come hungering, if you come thirsting, if you come knocking, if you come seeking, he promises he'll meet what you're looking for. He promises it. But have you ever done what I've done on occasion? And that is, I went to church looking for nothing. I just went because we go. That's what we do. And, and, and I really wasn't looking. How many of you all have ever gone to church not particularly looking for God to do anything special, right? You know what? If you go looking for nothing, you'll find it every time. But boy, I promise you, this is a special Sunday where we're going to have the privilege individually of making an eternal difference. A difference that's going to make a difference where people spend forever. And you know, when you try to understand forever eternity, it escapes all word descriptions. There's no way to wordsmith it. It escapes really comprehension. How can you imagine forever? But the Bible says every single person on planet Earth, every single one, no exception, is either going to spend forever in heaven with Jesus Christ or forever under God's judgment in a place that's so bad, God calls it hell where they'll be weeping and wailing forever and gnashing of teeth. And you and I this morning are going to get the privilege of making a decision that's going to make a difference in which eternal destiny people get to. This is indeed a special time. Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 10. I told them this morning, this is a story I'm partial to because it involves a lawyer. Now, the lawyer doesn't come out looking so good in this story. And by the way, lawyers are sometimes the, 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 the wrong end of a lot of stories. But I want to tell you, I know some really admirable, godly, wonderful lawyers and Whatever you do, don't just group all lawyers in this bad end. I think sometimes we forget that uh, Charles Finney was a lawyer, a man who got incredibly used, and Sam Jones, the great evangelist, was a lawyer. And uh, C.I. Schofield, the man that did the Schofield... How many of you all ever heard of the Schofield Reference Bible? Uh, he was the Attorney General of Kansas. A and God has used through the ages some wonderful lawyers. And here a lawyer comes trying to tempt Jesus. Now, Jesus is about to tell a story, but he's going to finish this story with a command. And it's a story that most of you will be familiar with because it's an oft-used Sunday school story. If someone were to say, name some of the most frequently used Sunday school stories, oh, you'd say Daniel in the lion's den, Noah in the ark, the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, it's the story of the Good Samaritan we're going to look at for the next few moments. 
But I want to ask you a question. Am I, are you, obeying the command found in this story? Let's get ready to read it together. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, boy, you got to commend this lawyer for one thing. He understood that life has an end point. And boy, what happens when you reach your end point? Uh, I hope you live a long time. I hope I live a long time. But you know what? Every person here has got an appointment with eternity. And no one quite knows when that appointment is. This could be my last day on planet Earth. This could be your wonderful pastor's last day. This could be your last day. No one knows. But what we do know is that we have an appointment with God. And the question that this lawyer asked is, how do you get eternal life? Because Jesus said, I'm come that you might have eternal life. And this lawyer was intrigued with this. And he said, how do you get it? He said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? Jesus asked him a question. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. You know, this young man had a good memory. He went back and brought up the Levitical law word for word. And Jesus is about to commend him. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. Then the lawyer asked this question, but he, willing to justify himself, this questioning didn't turn out like the lawyer thought it would. And so he thought, well, what I'll do is readjust the question. Being willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, boy, if that is not one of the most winding twisting. You talk about a road that has an incredible descent to it. It virtually never flattens out, and it's incredibly serpentine as you work your way down it, even to this day. With all the modern mechanics of road construction, that's still a very dangerous road. Well, this man is on this descending, dangerous journey. And he said he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The Lord paints a word picture where he says right over here is somebody in incredible need. They've had the stuffings beat out of them. The man's half dead. He's been beaten, he's bruised, he's dying. Somebody needs to do something to help. So what Jesus does with mastery as he did all things, he creates a word picture of need. And he says, here's the need. 
Now, what the Lord is going to do is walk some people by that need. And he's going to comment on how they respond to it. And he's about to tell us what's so central in the Christian faith. You see, God put us here to meet needs. But he's put us here to meet them a certain way. So right over here is this dear guy. He is just such a need. And the Lord puts him at the side of the road. Now watch who the Lord walks by as he begins to paint the picture. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Now, please understand, these were incredible people. You talk about folks who knew the Bible. They had major portions of it committed to memory. The Bible was their life. These are the guys who really had the I's dotted, the T's crossed. Boy, if you had a Bible question, they're the ones you could go to. Boy, did they ever know the Scriptures. But knowing the Scriptures is way different than doing the Scriptures. It amazes me in some of our lawsuits how unsaved professors from theology departments will come in. And Brother Hoover, their knowledge of the Bible is kind of unbelievable, except they don't know the person of the Bible. And God wants you to know his word, but not just for the sake of knowing it, he wants you to know it for the sake of doing it. Now, he walks this priest by and watch what he does. Good choice here, Jesus, by the way. This is a religious leader. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he didn't miss the guy. He passed by on the other side. Now, this priest has three choices. Here he is trucking down the road. Here's the need right over here. He's got three choices. He can go meet the need. Or he can just pass by. Or he can kind of move himself over and walk by on the other side. And isn't it amazing of the three choices he chose to move over and pass by on the other side? Have you ever seen a need I have that you didn't go to meet? And preacher, I didn't just pass by that need. I kind of moved over a little bit. Now, before we get real hard on him, if you were to interview this priest, he might say, listen, I'm already helping more than everybody else. I'm already doing more than the average guy. Man, I'm helping a whole lot more people than most people are helping, and you can't help everybody. And so all of a sudden, he feels justified and comfortable in not meeting that need. But passing by on the other side. Please, I beg you, hear this. The devil's going to do everything in his power in my life, everything in his power in your pastor's life, Everything in his power and Brother Lance in these great musicians' lives, 
everything he can in your life to get you to pass by on the other side. That's his strategy. Listen, you just can't help everybody, and boy, I'll give you, this guy's had the stuffings knocked out of him, and it's an awfully clear need, but he passed by. Now look at what he did. And likewise, a Levite. Now, Levites were the people who had mastered the art of combining politics and religion. They were incredibly politically active. Uh, they were a people that had great political influence, and, and they were people that were spiritual and well looked up to. And here comes a Levite along, and you know what the Bible says? He did the same thing the priest did. When he was at that place, came and looked on him, he saw the need and passed by on the other side. Now someone says, Brother Gibbs, why do you think that Levite didn't meet the need? Well, I kind of suspicion is because there was no photo opportunity involved. Isn't it amazing what people will do if somebody's watching or if there's a photo opportunity? Now, we're all guilty of this. Boy, if the right people are watching, I'll never pass by a need. But what do I do when just God's watching? What do I do when it's just heaven? Then do I meet a need. When's the last time you met a need and didn't let anybody know? You just did it to obey the Bible. There's something in us that just wants recognition when we meet a need. Well, boy, this priest and this Levite, they trucked right on by on the other side. Now the Lord brings a third person by, but a certain Samaritan. Now, in your Bible, would you mark the word Samaritan? If there was anybody that if you were going to do this thing politically smart, you wouldn't make a Samaritan the hero of your story. Because the Samaritans were a very looked down on, a very despised people. They were despised for two reasons. Number one, they were an ethnic mix. And somehow that didn't sit well in that culture. So neither group wanted to claim them. And, and, and they were kind of left in no man's land. But they, they didn't have a heritage they could look to because neither heritage would let them in. And then on top of that, their faith was confused. They were a people who were considered highly emotional, and their faith was emotional. But isn't it amazing? God picked to make a hero out of the very person nobody thought could be a hero. By the way, it doesn't matter what's in your background. God wants to make a spiritual hero out of you. And that's why I believe the Lord picked a Samaritan. Now watch what the Samaritan does. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, now watch this, all three guys are trucking down the road, and right over here's the need, and by the way, this morning, you and I are on a road, and we're about to see a need. 
Man, the priest just kind of went over to the other side and walked around it. The Levite, right over to that side and moseyed around it. But here comes the Samaritan. And there's a huge difference, and you're going to see it in the Bible. When he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him. What makes the difference? Compassion. You know what compassion is? It's love and it's care. That's compassion. And both are commanded. And what he did was instead of walking around the need, he went to the need because he cared. 18,000 young people an hour die without Christ in our world. Do we care? One half of the world has never heard the gospel. Do we care? Oh, Brother Gibbs, I care. I mean, my, my goodness, what kind of person would you be if you didn't care? Do you care enough to go to the need. He went to him. He saw him. He had compassion. And he went to him. What a difference. I shared this morning, my four children all know Christ as their Savior. Their mates do. My five grandchildren know Christ. Boy, they're heaven-bound. And we're expecting another grandbaby in our family in August. And Boy, my wife and I are already praying twice a day. We've already fasted for that baby, that that baby would come to know Christ because that's the most important thing in all the world. What family you're born into is irrelevant until you're born into God's family. And we want that baby to know Christ. And the question is, how would I feel if my family'd never heard? And I knew that you had the ability to get that message helped to my family. What would you want someone to do? How would you want them to feel, knowing what you know? Oh, my. Well, Brother Gibbs, I'm just kind of hoping if they don't hear, maybe God will just forget about it and let them into heaven anyway. God says we're not doing that. That's why you and I are commanded with the privilege of getting the gospel message there. That's why these missionaries are so vital. That's why this church is outreach. This church isn't here to give us a comfortable place to have a spiritual club. This church is here to get people to Jesus Christ and to get his message. It's a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't do one thing to deserve it. The only thing you can do is accept it. And will you just ask him to save you? Whosoever, the Bible says, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the Bible asks this question, how will they know if no one goes and tells them? That's why this Sunday is so vital, an important moment in our Christian life.
We're deciding how much compassion we have. That little slip you're holding in your hand, that faith commitment, that's a compassion commitment. It's to show how much do we care. There was only one thing that separated, only one thing that separated this Samaritan from the priest and the Levite, and that was he had compassion. Now watch what this Samaritan did because of his compassion. I love this next verse. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Now, oil and wine were medicinal elements. They were medicines of that day. But they were also currency of that day. It was what people off-traded in. It was, if you had oil, if you had wine, you had money. And you know what he did? Here's a complete stranger, doesn't know his name, doesn't know about his background. All he knows is he has a need, and he takes the resources he has and says, here, let me help. Wow. Then watch what he does. He went to him, had compassion, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. Now, these words really convict me, Pastor Hoover. The Samaritan had transportation. Don't know what it was. Might have been a donkey, a mule, a horse. Don't know. But he didn't have to walk because he had a ride. You know what he did? He said, you ride, I'll walk. Have you ever said, listen, I want to help and make it better for you than for me? Mercy. Well, now, wait a minute, David. I, I don't mind helping a little bit. I, I mean, I'm willing to help meet the need a little bit, David. But I don't think I'm going to go to the point of helping meet the need where they're riding and I'm walking. You know what? Jesus met your need by laying aside every privilege he had. And if the Son of God had not laid aside his privilege, every one of us would be hell-bound today. And we say, oh my, we sang that song, The Thorns, The... He took every privilege and laid it aside to reach David Gibbs. And you know what he's asking? Would you be willing to set aside some of your privilege so that others could hear? Would you just put some of it aside? That's what faith promise is all about. I shared this morning, I preached this message and, and a, a lady came up to me, and she said, I, I know this is really elementary, but she said, my, my budget's just super tight. She said, I'm a single mom. But she said, you know, I have a car, and I could take a bus to work and back, and it would save quite a bit. And so Brother Gibbs I want to do that so others can hear. 
Boy, how that smote my heart. What a difference it makes once we decide to have compassion. Well, David, I have compassion. It just doesn't show. Now, you listen, we're almost done. No one can have compassion unless it shows. Compassion always shows. Always. You know what God says? I'm about to command David Gibbs to go and do likewise. Here's the need. I want you to come and put your resource on it. And then I want you to be willing to sacrifice. And then look at this last point. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now catch this, because here comes faith. Hold it, Brother Gibbs. Up until now, the oil and wine, he had that. Boy, putting him in on his own beast, he had that. Man, the two pence, he had that. It was paid. But wait a minute. How does he know how much it'll take? I, I mean, this is kind of like open-ended, right? Whatever it costs and more. And here comes faith. What would it take for you by faith to say, God, that's why this is called faith promise. I want to meet a need. And I want by faith. To make a commitment to meet that need by faith now if you can calculate it that doesn't take faith or if you can just give it out of your treasured resources thankful for both of those but that doesn't take faith faith the Bible says is the substance of things hoped for you know what faith says I don't know how but I'm willing to trust God to help me do this by faith. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's why I think these Sundays please the Lord so greatly. It's where we take a step of faith. Now, the day you got saved, you took a step of faith. For by grace, the Bible says, through faith is how you're saved. Man, you decided to trust God to save you. Now that you're saved, here's what I'm begging you this morning. Would you take a faith step and trust God? Trust God to help give something each week to meet the needs of people who've never heard the gospel. I promise you this church is financially responsible. Your pastor has a passion to see that every penny is rightfully used because they're not his pennies, they're God's pennies. And every person has the privilege of helping meet that need and taking a faith step. Our grandkids, when they turn five, we started encouraging them to do faith promise. 
You say five-year-old. Say, you know what? I want them to know God can meet needs. And I want them to know they can trust God to meet needs. And so, boy, we encourage them. You, you fill out a card. And, and how many of you think God loves it when kids give their pennies, right? God loves that. And boy, they did. And then it wasn't long after that, my grandkids came to me and they said, now, now Grandpa, we got to earn some money because God's going to help us do this. And we thought maybe you'd be the one God would have hire us. <laughs> how many of you know those kids are a touch crafty in how they know? And I said, you bet I will, you bet I will. And oh, and then the word got out, so lots of kids started coming. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I love doing that because I want to see those kids learn to take a step of faith. Mr. Samaritan, uh, just a minute, just a minute. Y you have no idea what this is going to cost you. You, you, you. you said, whatever it takes. I, 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 don't you think you ought to play it safe and put a cap on it? And you know what that talk is? That's the talk of somebody who doesn't have compassion. Compassion says, I want God to use me to meet a need, whatever it takes. Use me. I promise you, God, right now, my Bible says his spirit is going to and fro through the whole earth looking for who he can show himself strong through. God's looking right now. And would you and I be willing to take a faith step? Watch how Jesus puts this in a command form. Verse 36, which now of... These three, thinkest thou, Jesus talking to this lawyer, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. Remember, all this started with him saying, who's my neighbor? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Jesus, in talking to you and me, says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I love this music and the, the great fervency with which you sing. But listen and I'm done. The fact you sing it doesn't mean you have it. Unsaved people can have talent and can sing a scored song if you put it in front of them. The test is not whether you say you love him. The test is, would you go and do likewise? Would David Gibbs keep his commandment? Now, I believe this choir and Brother Lance and these musicians love the Lord. I believe you love the Lord. But here comes the test. Will I go and do likewise? What a privilege to be the one God's going to use to help get the gospel around the world. 
And one day in eternity, it's going to be a child, a man, a woman. Somebody's going to come up to you and say, you had a card in your hand in 2006 at Messiah Baptist Church. And the devil threw everything at you he could to keep you from taking a faith step. But you took a faith step, and because of what you gave, I'm in heaven. And they're going to hug your neck for eternity. What a joy. What a privilege. Half the world not knowing about the incredible free gift. Life eternal from the Son of God. Right now, it starts with compassion. No one will give right who doesn't love right. And by the way, this morning, if you say, Brother Gibbs, I, I kind of feel like you're just talking me into giving, then don't. Because if you only give because I talked you into it, we've both done God a great disservice. God wants you to, first of all, have compassion, to care, to love. And he wants you and I to fix that compassion in our heart, to have a compassion to tell this world about Christ. And then he wants us to give. Remember, compassion will always, always show. And if I fix the compassion in my heart, then I'll fix meeting needs in my heart. Just a moment, that card you're holding in your hand is going to be a compassion statement, a care statement. And I beg you, do it by faith. I always find in life there's three kinds of givers. And I've shared this with you before, but I've struggled with it myself. There's the people who just give out of their surplus. Well, we have this, and pastor, we could give this. and I mean, it's a surplus we have, and we give out of our surplus. And you know what? A lot of people give that way. Just if they have extra, they'll give something. Then there's a second kind of giver. And boy, this is me most of the time. It's a calculated giver. Uh, I, I sit down and I say, now, if this costs this and we do this and if this is here, and, and, and I calculate it out trying to see how I can somehow get it factored in. And you know what? There's one problem. Giving because you calculate well or giving out of your surplus doesn't take faith. And faith is what God adores. It's what he's looking for. You know what given by faith is? I don't have it. And I can't calculate it. But with a commitment to God, you're not making a commitment to me, but with a commitment to God by faith. I'm going to ask God to do this through me. That's faith giving. 
Oh, get ready for God to open heaven's treasury. Get ready for God to make a difference beyond anything you can imagine. Get ready for God to start to bless you. You say, I've got trouble in my life. The greatest way to fix a problem in your life is for you to be an answer in someone else's life. Your need is best met when you start meeting needs in other people's lives. My son was incredibly ill. And he was in the hospital about to have a surgery that the doctors told us very probably might not survive. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but everything you think is important stops mattering. Sleep leaves you. All the appointments you thought you had to keep become irrelevant because it's your child in desperate need. At six in the morning, they're going to come and get our boy, and they're going to perform a surgery where they're literally going to take his ribcage off of his body and try to fix his heart, his lungs, his throat, and rebuild all his ribs. And it's a surgery they've never done before. My wife and I are sitting in that room. Our son is so sick. He's having such a time just breathing. I'm praying, and I want to be honest with you, I made every deal with God I could think of. I've had people say to me, well, you shouldn't do that. Wait till it's your child. Oh, I said, God, anything, please, spare my boy. Something happened that night that if I live to be 100, I won't forget. We're a number of stories up in a hospital room, and suddenly there's a knock. It's loud. And it's not at the door. It's on the window. The window that goes outside. And my wife said, what was that? We both about jumped out of our shoes. I said, I don't know. That's got to be the biggest woodpecker in Ohio. I don't know. (laughs) Good night. I went over. There was a shade, one of these roll-up shades, and I tipped it, and it started up. And when the shade went up, it scared me. Because standing on the fire escape outside the window was a lady. And just that somebody was there startled me. I jumped, the lady jumped. You know who the lady was? My son's Sunday school teacher. I said to my wife, it's Yolanda. She said, well, open the window. I'm like, right, okay. So I opened the window and I said, Yolanda, what are you doing? She said, Brother Gibbs, I've been downstairs all day. They won't let me up. 
And finally they told me that I couldn't stay in the hospital anymore. They were locking it down. And so I, I gave a guard the money I had to let me get on the fire escape to come up. She said, I, I, I've knocked on two wrong windows. <laughs> That's what she said. And she said, I think they're looking for me. I said, Yolanda, why'd you do this? She said, because I love your boy. And I just had to get to him. I helped her in over the window, and I said, Yolanda, your leg's all scraped. She said, it don't matter. And like that, she walked over to my son and slipped her arm under his head and said, I love you, David. Let's quote the verses, son, we've been memorizing in Sunday school. Somebody came when I was at the side and met my need. She could have said, hey, I sat down here all day. I did everything I could. Compassion will always, always, always get you to help meet the need. Always. To this day, on my everyday prayer list, when I give thanks, I say, God, thank you for a Sunday school teacher named Yolanda Zawinski who cared enough. Now, how's my compassion? How's yours? There's a whole world right over here that's in need. Will we go? Will we use our resource? And will we take the faith step? Bow your heads in prayer. Father, thank you. We love you. Thank you, thank you for loving us. In fact, we love you because you first loved us. Oh, please, in this moment, we want to be a people that show this world your love, your compassion, your care through us. And if we don't respond to need, then we disobey your command. You didn't suggest we meet these needs. You've commanded it. And you never command what you won't enable. It just takes a willing person. My prayer this morning right now is that my compassion would know greater bounds, that it would be more fervent, that it would be more intense than it's ever, ever been before. Heads bowed. How many of you here say, David, boy, God spoke to my heart this morning. And God helping me, I want to have more fervency in my compassion. I want to care more than I've ever cared. I want God to be able to use me to meet needs. 
It'll never be an accident, it's a decision. And God helping me, I want to go and do likewise. My heart's been spoken to this morning. If that's true, Christian, slip up your hand right now, raise them high. Oh, I want God to increase the fervency. God bless you. Let's all stand together. He's going to sing this hymn of invitation. Would you do me this favor? You raised your hand. We're going to have a closing word of prayer. Would you step out and come down to this altar? You say, I didn't raise my hand, but I should have you come too. Well, I'm going to tell you, nothing, nothing, nothing more important than showing this world the care that God put in us, that compassion, that fervency. You raised your hand. Come join me down here at the front right now. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. God spoke to my heart, David. You come too. And thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Father, that's what we are, yielded and still before you. Oh, my, what a privilege, what an honor to show this world your love through our lives. May we never fail to respond. May we be the ones that nothing can stop. The whole world needs to hear the glorious message of your gospel. May with the passion that a lady went up a fire escape, may that same passion have me take a part in getting this gospel around the world. Thank you for loving us. And God, I pray right now, caring is never an accident. It's the fruit of your spirit. Hear the cry of every heart here, I pray. Answer our prayer as you've promised and we know you will. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing that song one more time. When you're done praying, you make your way back to your seat. Lead us in it one more time. And have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own bless you, you may be seated. Would you do me a favor right now and get your faith promise card in your hand? And if there's anybody here, I want the ushers to come that for whatever the reason, you don't have one. 
We want every single person to have one. Anybody here say, Brother Gibbs, I don't have a faith promise card. Would you hold your hand up so we can get one in your hand? Here's someone here, right back there. We need a couple up here, ushers, if you would. Boy, let's make sure right down here. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. Let's get one. This dear gentleman in the green right here, we need one down there. Oh, listen, th th this is too important for anybody to miss the chance to have a part in this. Everybody, everybody gets to do something, and this is what makes it so exciting. Now, remember, it's a faith promise. You're saying, I'm willing to trust God to help me do this. That's what makes it such an adventure. And my wife will tell you the greatest adventures we've had in life have not been in all the lawsuits. The greatest adventures we've had is in faith promise. And you know what? We just celebrated 40 years of marriage. This is our 40th year of doing faith promise, and God's never failed to come through. Never. There were a couple times, I mean, it came down to the 11th hour, the 59th minute, and God came through. But by faith. I'm going to trust God to do this. Remember, here's the one thing. God just wants you to be willing to exercise the faith. Now, does that mean we just sit back and don't do what we can? No. If God gives you energy, he wants you to use that energy for his honor and his glory. But faith is, God, I don't have it, but I'm going to trust you. Help me to do this. Every person right now, I want you to take that card and in your mind, here's what I want you to see. I'm going to the need right over here. This is not just so we can raise funds. This is so that people who the devil has mauled and beat to pieces around the world can hear about what can set them free and can know the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is how we do it. Take your card right now and fill it out. Take your card and fill it out. Every single one. Do I have to put my name on it? No, you don't. But you know what? I'd encourage you to do it so they can pray for you. Uh, will they keep tabs if, if I don't give it? No, this is not a pledge. This is a faith commitment to God. And I always encourage this to people. Don't limit God. Don't you do it. Man, take a step by faith. God's looking to put resources in the hands of people who are willing to take state faith steps. That's what God cherishes. Now, I love how your pastor says it. God's like an entrepreneur who wants to have somebody he can trust with resources to get it done. But it takes that faith step. Fill your card out. Every single person here, get that card filled out. Now, have you got it filled out? I want you to turn it around for just a moment and look at it. Get your card and take a peek at it, okay? Just take your card. And ladies, please, oh, don't put this card in your purse. Uh, I know this for a fact. What goes in a lady's purse is never found again. It's a donor. Don't you do it? And guys, more deadly than a lady's purse is your inside coat pocket or your Bible flap. How many of you have ever loaded your Bible up with so much stuff you had to unload it after a while? I mean, we just, and you know what you do? You do what I, I meant to use it, and then I write sermon notes or things on the back of it. And you know what? This is important. Oh, this is important. And, and we need to do it right now. We want you to help do it. 
Now, take a look at the card you filled out and then answer this question. By faith, is this the best I can do? By faith. Remember, we're to do our best for our Savior. And if you were to say, no, I, I think Brother Gibbs really... Now, I just want to tell you my experience. Why this happens every year. My wife and I change our card three, four, five times because God keeps speaking and I keep saying, you know, this isn't the best we can do. By the way, I desperately try to raise money for our own ministry. And not one thing my wife and I put on faith promise goes to us. It goes to get the gospel around the world. And that's why I'm so passionate to get you to do the same. If you say, David, this is the best I can do, God helping me, then we're there. That's all that God asks. Ushers, come on forward. Have you got those cards done? Hold your card up in the air. Hold them up right now. I like to hold them up because it aggravates the devil. All right? I just love to aggravate the devil. You know what? The devil hates my Savior. He hates Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I love to do something to aggravate the devil. Hold that card up in the air. And ushers, come on. We want to pick every one of them up. We don't want to miss anybody. Don't let, don't, if, if an usher doesn't come near you, wave your card a little bit. We want to find you. Let's get it right to everybody. Oh, this is an exciting moment. What an exciting moment. Oh, God, increase my passion, my compassion to meet needs. You always want to wonder where your barometer of compassion is. You can tell, am I meeting needs with it? It's not a reservoir. It's an outpouring. And boy, what we want to do is use this to meet the need of people around the world who don't know Jesus Christ. Can I tell you a frightening thing? I was listening to a guy on the radio the other day, and he's a Muslim. And he said, we are raising among Muslim people special monies to get our faith and to stamp out Christianity. I mean, those are the words he used, to stamp out Christianity. Boy, we better realize the devil's got some people doing his bidding. Man, how many of you believe God's got some people going to do God's bidding? And I want to be one of those. Did we miss a card anywhere? Anywhere? Oh, I want to make sure we get each and every one right up here. God, boy, don't you miss this boy's card, ushers, right up here. I'm telling you, uh, God loves it when young people take a step of faith and are willing to give. Thank you for letting me come and spending a moment with you this morning. Uh, I trust you'll come back tonight. If you can't, if I don't ever see you again here, I'll see you up there. And would you please pray that God would take these monies and use them to show this world the only thing that makes an eternal difference the person of Jesus Christ. Pastor, I salute you. Would you do me a favor? Thank your pastor for his vision to get the gospel around the world. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Gibbs.
Uh, this is just an item of uh, information just as we're getting ready to close out the service. I won't get to be here. I'll be, in, I'll be speaking in Canton, Ohio next Sunday. So next Sunday will be the first Sunday that we'll begin to receive this promise. If you look in the pew back right in front of you, there are offering envelopes that you see every Sunday. And uh, as you'll notice, you have the opportunity to specify how you want your gift to be designated. You'll see there's an area that says ties and offerings and missions. So the commitment that you've made today, uh, over 52 weeks, uh, you can just mark that. that, that you, can, you can write one check if you wish, but you can just say, this amount is my tithes and offerings, and this amount is my missions. So uh, as you get ready to live out this next year, as God gives you breath and strength and finances, honor the Lord. Put him first in this area. And I think here's the thing this, I, I want to say in closing. You're going to be excited and delighted to see how God supplies what you just have promised. In fact, so many times I've watched God bring it out of no place. And uh, he said he'd open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. I know our service lasted longer today than normal, but wasn't it great? Here's the thing. You know, I mean, go ahead and give God glory. Probably shouldn't say this in church, but uh, my favorite secular guitarist is Eric Clapton. He has a song called Change the World. I don't, have, I don't think Eric Clapton probably has a clue about how to change the world, but you folks just did. What you did today, by the power of God, through His grace, you just changed the world and eternity. Wow, nothing's bigger than that. Let's get back together tonight at 6 o'clock. You're going to have a chance to meet some missionaries and hear them speak. Dr. Gibbs will be speaking one more time. We'll be closing out our World Event, uh, Conference Evangelism Conference this evening. Let's look forward to a great time. Stand with me, please, and we'll be dismissed. And then also tonight we'll be announcing where the faith promise total stands at this point. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your people and the way they acted to change the world through the gospel of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the way you blessed this church. I stand amazed at how you continuously pour out your blessings and grow this body. We give you all glory and praise. And the faith that we just exhibited, we know that you stand behind. And we trust you and look to you. Bless the service this evening. And bless all our missionary guests. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you tonight. Talk.